Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. Stephen Coleman and I am the Chief Executive of NCHC. So Stephen, it's been a year since you started with us at NCHC. Can't believe it's been a year. It has flown past. We've had a pretty challenging year as a country, haven't we? 2022 has been a bit remarkable. <laughs> we've had three prime ministers. We've had yes. the death of our queen and we're in a cost of living crisis right now, you know, with high inflation and rising energy bills. So yeah. how do you think that the challenges that the country has faced in general have impacted on our staff and our patients in Norfolk? My first week, we've just gone into critical incident and we're leaving it in critical incident. Uh, and I, I think I, it was in my first week I was on the radio talking about what we were doing to try and support the system. And I know when we did the the remembrance around COVID and we've had, I think we had one or two peaks since I've been here. So we've been through all of that. And and the bit on the COVID remembrance, I remember we did some comms and it was around people weren't just struggling with it at work. It was at home. It was affecting people that they knew that they looked after that family members, people would have lost family members in this. So you can't disconnect it and particularly with some of the challenges. And, you know, if I look, I've looked back because I kind of knew we were doing this and I've looked at some of the questions we got to ask the chief exec and you can see that kind of thing happening. So the Ukraine war, suddenly we were talking around how do we support staff that were either looking to support people from Ukraine and there was questions around that or they were taking people in or they knew somebody and we you know, we were trying to support people with that through to, you know, like you say, the cost of living, the petrol prices rocketing and particularly for community staff, that was a real worry. And we, we've done various things through the year. And I think that was one of the interesting bits being chief exec of the trust is how we try to do some things differently. So we did various payments as one offs to try and help buffer things and We've been looking at food banks. I never thought we'd be looking at food banks in the health service, but we've been trying to do work like that. So you just get that flavour as it goes through. And then obviously we've had the pay, the pay conversations, and we're about to go into the what's it, the first strike the RCM will have ever called. And we might not be striking, but that's around. So I think it just really affects people and it creates a mood. And then obviously we've been really busy at work as well like really, really pressured. So it just kind of feels like you're not getting much of a break from anything. And I don't know about other people, but it has felt like we have buffeted from one thing to another. We just kind of moved around that constant turmoil that we've we've not had a period where it's just settled and we've been able to kind of recalibrate a little bit. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, obviously from a, a chief exec standpoint, you know, how has that been for you? You've you've basically hit the ground running, like you say, in critical instant and not really lifted your head out of it since. Do you feel like you've been able to implement certain things that you maybe had planned to or have you not really had a chance to yet? I think it's mixed. So one thing I get frustrated about is, you know, we're trying to match the ambition for our staff on a lot of community services and there's a lot of discussion around does the system value community? Does it invest in it? Do we attract resources? Do we get our fair share? How do we promote it? I think that has moved on in the ICB. Um, I've seen a shift in that. And I think 
there is more of a recognition that community is either the solution to some of these problems or the reason that we've got some of these pressures and problems is because community hasn't been invested in and we need to build up that resilience out and, then, and it stops things from escalating. So in one sense, kind of pleased because we're definitely getting a bigger voice and I have seen, um, we've seen more money coming in to the trust for things like that. And we've got some big ambitious plans around where we might go with social care. That conversation's been really, really positive and we've seen more happen in that space. So I know Laura and the team have worked really hard on links with things like Norfolk First Support. That's a real positive and that's not the same everywhere. So I, I remember the time when a lot of social care services were retracted back into the council. We almost feel like we're on a bit of a different journey and we're, we're, we're growing in that way. That's really positive. A lot of it hasn't come off, but it's all there stacking up. The frustration is all this system stuff, the pressure just probably hasn't made it as fast as possible. But then you have to stop and think, would we have got all that if the system wasn't under pressure? So it's a bit mixed, really. I want us to be the best and I can see the value of what we do. Do you think we do enough for our staff on well-being and not just looking after our staff and making sure that they can put petrol in their cars and get to work and are comfortable and, and happy, but also just, you know, how we support our leaders to support our staff? Do you think we do enough around that? Um, no, I think we need to do a bit more. I see, I see some really, really good good areas in it. I see some brilliant areas and some of, some of the things we do, I think we undersell massively. So the work of the staff networks. I think is phenomenal and the support that that can provide around it's not just a one issue but it's it's a way into having at times you know when I've been on some of the networks really personal conversations I think the key bit for me we've got to tackle in the next year for support and well-being is somehow freeing up leaders to be able to have conversations I met some teams I met one team in the west uh, one therapy teams and they all came together I was there for about an hour and a half, I think. And we had a really, really good conversation about what was happening, where we were going, direction of travel, what their frustrations were, what we might do. And I think that's fine for me to do it, but I'm, I need everyone doing it and leaders doing it. And the well-being will come from a sense of, we give you as much freedom to get on with the job as you want it, as we can, that we understand the challenges and we're working on them and we're working on them together. When we have disagreements, we'll have disagreements. You might think one way is the right way to go. I might think another way, but we'll have a debate about it and decide, you know, between us, you know, we'll work it out, but you might, you might not agree on that. I think a lot of that helps to your well-being and you come to work then and you feel like, you know, it's giving you that real value. You're contributing, you feel it. But I worry for our leaders that they're just getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and they don't have the time to do that. So that's when you get into some of the things that we see with freedom to speak up and other things where it's just pressure, pressured situations. And I think there is a bit in the air about visibility and how we make sure people have got the time and the headspace to do that sort of stuff. To our staff who've worked here for years and years and years and are maybe just a little bit tired and not as engaged, what actually can we do? I've drawn some of my experience of other areas that I've worked in where I've seen, I've seen some quite dramatic turnarounds in that. I think there's a difficult bit underlying it as well. And I've had these conversations, particularly with Nick and Chioma from a freedom to speak up point of view, is that in the vast majority of it, it'll be the 
they're doing their job in the environment they're in and the environment has created that circumstance. So I think our job as senior leaders is to unpick that and create a different environment. It'll be it'll be different solutions to different areas. Do you think it comes down to just really wanting to be heard? I'd add a bit more to that. I think it's heard and something happens. And some of this is, again, I've got back to some of the stuff on us, the chief exec. People know that you can have disagreements, you can have different views and you can make different decisions on. And I'm sure people haven't agreed with every decision we've made. Well, no, they haven't They've told me. But when you haven't, as long as you've had a debate and you've been heard, I think you're absolutely right. People will generally kind of like accept it a lot of the time. They'll see a different view, they'll get a different perspective. They understand that. What what I think really kills people's engagement is I feel like I've been saying it and you've made out you've heard me and then nothing's happened since. So you're just walking away. So you know those words like tokenism, facade, that sort of thing. It's or we go on that spike of interest. We get all very excited about something and then it almost it feels you can feel we've either moved on to the next biggest, brightest thing or we've got bored of it and we've just moved away. We haven't put the effort in. So I'm really keen in some of these areas that we stick with it and we see it through. And the other one is we ex we're really clear about what we want it to look like because people will buy into that. Right, I can see where you're going and I'll follow you on that. But it's heard with a bit of action behind it. The fact that you changed the format of Ask the CEO to be a much more sort of two way conversation means that now people can, you know, people shouldn't be afraid to come on there and say what they think or ask you questions, should they? I mean, we've had some pretty hard hitting questions on Ask the CEO, so people really shouldn't be afraid if there is something that they want to say about the trust, how it's being run, you know, their particular service area, they should come on and tell you, shouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. One thing that's really struck me with the trust is. You know, we do board and we have patient stories or we do committees and we get a feel from CQ, a lot of the time, quality of CQDs and others. There is a lot of bravery around. People will tell you when we haven't got it right or where it's gone wrong and what we need to learn from it. They are really open like that. And this is this is by far and away the best trust I've been in for that, of having that, you know, we want to be safe and the way we're safe is we're open and we kind of, exp like, you know, when, we, when we've gone through things and we're learning from it. It's interesting with things like ask, ask the Chief Exec because it's, I was worried about the title because it kind of implies it's quite paternalistic and it implies I've got answers for all this stuff and as people who watch it regularly will quickly work out I don't have answers for it, um, a lot of things. But what the ones that always interest me are um, when people react, if they do perceive there's a question that's gone in that's a bit challenging, that's always interesting as a cultural gauge of where people have with that kind of thing. And the other one is nine times out of 10 when it's happened, the person who's asked it gets in touch with me after. And that can be, a, well, I think you missed the mark on the question. I didn't quite mean it like that. I meant, you know, you took it as Y, I meant it as X. Or they go, oh, fair enough for answering. I can kind of understand it. And quite often it leads to other conversations. Um, so we do a like we'll follow it up and it'll be off there so you don't see that bit but we'll do it right we'll just follow that up and we'll have a, a discussion around that it has changed some things in the trust made us stop and think and go are we getting this right we need to keep doing that but the other thing I do hope it does is you know it's again it's about trying to signal and role model a little bit as if I'm comfortable people can ask what they like and whatever within reason 
<laughs> you know, that's what I want our leaders and colleagues to do with each other. You know, it's not just a straight line manager, it's leaders across all of it and clinical leaders and others. That's that's what I want us to, to be like, because that's where the difference will really narrow because we'll have those conversations and I'll understand where you're coming from and you understand where I'm coming from. And ultimately, like I say, we might have to make a decision on something or we might just have to agree to disagree and we have to walk away. But you've had your say, I've had my say, I understand you a bit better, you understand me a bit better. That's how that's how we'll get to the real top top levels of engagement, um, I think. And that's what I'm really keen to do for the trust is to kind of drive that through. We very recently just had the REACH Awards after its uh, long absence due to COVID. How important do you think those sort of events are for staff wellbeing and staff engagement? And how engaged do you think our staff are? How engaged the staff are? I think it's mixed and it will have mixed reasons. I think there's a lot that are really engaged and you can feel it out there and they're always willing to, you know, we share experiences and do things like that. So I think generally we have got an engaged staff group which is brilliant i think it's a mixed thing so it's really funny you do the the reach awards you couldn't help but be moved by the enthusiasm in the room the connections people were making the kind of pride in what they do their teams you know you see the photographs from it and i was you know i talked to a lot of them that were there there are some that don't like it i think with all these things if it works for some people then that's good enough and what you look to do is have a number of things and people will engage with different things. So, you know, we do the badges of recognition and I've seen some brilliant reactions to that. I think we've just got to have a myriad of things. Probably nothing means more than your manager being really appreciative of what you do and giving you that feedback like that. One of the things I'd be really keen to explore is how we can do that in the different localities. Mm. So each area kind of feels like it gets its, its area because, again, we've got a big geography. The other thing I will say with the reach thing that I think went a bit under the radar if you weren't around, we've just done a recruitment event down at Norwich for HCAs and it's across all the services so it's not just Norwich centric but the exhibition that we had for the those few days clearly had an impact because we think what uh, Liz was telling us that we'd obviously done all the press around it, media done a lot and it clearly spiked an interest that we then directly saw when we did the recruitment event, I think we've recruited some like 15 people on the back of it. That's probably one of the single biggest recruitment things we've done and had a success. But it, I think it definitely trailed from the exhibition and the media and everything. We spiked people's interest as like, oh, what's community about? And we saw an impact of that. And here she has been one of our hardest groups to recruit to. So to see it, it just gives us something. We well, can try that again and do it. But we got some really brilliant feedback on the exhibition. Yeah, the exhibition was one thing that we've done this year with you as our CEO, and we've done loads of other stuff. Like, for example, this is just a few things. We've signed the Unison Anti-Racism Charter in March. You attended a candlelit vigil in October for Black History Month. And just this week, you signed the Arms Forces Covenant as well. So that's various different things that are really sort of putting the trust at the forefront of people's minds when it comes to inclusivity and equality. What have those things meant to you personally and what do they mean for the trust well i think for both actually one of the things is they're a really important signal to people that either use our services or work in our services about where we see our ambition so we talked about engagement 
for me, it's the bit about recognition of the work we've got to do. I've, we've got to be honest about where we've got areas to go. And, you know, when I did the Pandalit Vigil and the Black History Month and also the um, Pandalit sponsor for the Diverse Heritage, and you hear some of those stories about how people have experienced things either from patients or from the community or even from our own staff, you can't help but be moved to think we've got to make that better. And because it better for that group, it gets better for everybody. I'm kind of of that view. And then equally for the covenant, I was really struck by Andy and the work that he put into it. And I think it is really important for that group. We had some staff there that were ex-service and you can just see what it means to them. So I think if if anything, it if it gives them something that, you know, we as a trust are really serious about this stuff and we value them and we t um, and we want to improve it, I think that's that's important. I think it's there as a reminder to senior leaders about these groups. And again, I go back to I think if you improve it for one, you improve it for everybody by, you know, like again, I mentioned the staff networks. We can't help but be a better employer, better organisation and ultimately better carers for our patients if we improve on all it. We listen to those experiences and if one person walks out and, you know, some of the podcasts you've done have been brilliant for that, where it's become real life stories and you hear it and you kind of then at some point you will stop and think. And I've definitely done that about how am I landing this? How am I think? What is my impact going to be if I, you know, if I just carry on or say it or do I stop and check something so I think that's really important for us and for us as the exec team leading and the, and the board leading the trust because we send those signals out you know I'm a firm believer in one of our jobs is send the signals out and what's important to us will be important to others so what's next then all of this that we've done all of the plans and everything what is actually next for 2023 well, I think from a service point of view, we've got to we've got to try and deliver on some of those. So we've got some real opportunities with social care. Um, I think the way some of the monies may be distributed will be helpful for that as well around discharge funding. It is going to still be really challenging. I think the challenges we've had this year are still going to be there. So we've still got to be really mindful of that. I would like to hope that some of the external factors that are affecting the staff will start to ease, but you know, some of that cost of living inflation, that sort of stuff, certainly by as we get into mid-year down here, I hope that's starting to work through. But I think for the trust, I think the engagement piece, I think we really want to move on that. The bit I'm really excited about is probably people will see it more in January um, is around the new strategy and how that will help drive us into these different conversations around engagement and actually live it through service development. So we're really keen that what we're going to do is come out and, you know, west and north and south of these places will go. What does it mean for my service? And that's the that's the headline. This is how I'm going to do it. And we're going to and the trust gets behind them to deliver their their bit of it. So I kind of feel like I'm hoping this year we get to deliver on a lot of that. I'm hoping the pressure releases a bit for the staff because they've just been working so hard and flat out. I'm hoping that stops and some of this will contribute to that. Have you enjoyed it? Have you enjoyed your first year with us? Of course I have. Absolutely loved it. You know, it's that thing when you're doing a job that you really enjoy, working with people that you really like and admire in a lot of cases, you know, that's some of the work they do. 
and people have been lovely. I can't tell you how you know nice and supportive people have been. Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.